Podcast. And he basically said, from the moment of the Big Bang, there is an intelligence embedded into the fabric of the universe that is evolving us towards coherence. Right? So that is that love, if you will. And so the, you know, my parting thoughts would be that, you know, I'll tell you from my many years of trying to get degrees in consciousness and 30 years of heart math research, it gets really simple for me that the highest, best thing we can do for ourselves, others, the planet, and even the universe is to run more heart energy, more love through our energetic system. Welcome, beautiful souls, to season three of the Cosmic Love Antenna with your host, Harrison Ma. I invite you on a mystical voyage from the intellect to the soul, delving deep into the mysteries of love's spiritual essence and its divine unfolding. This podcast celebrates the peeling back of heart layers, revealing beautiful, profound lessons, interviews with loving spiritual seekers, and practices and tools to open up your heart to love's infinite wisdom. I'm so excited to have you and grateful that our hearts have connected. Enjoy the show. Good morning, evening, afternoon, beautiful beings. Welcome back to another episode of the Cosmic Love Antenna with your host, Hia Harrison. Today's chat and cosmic dance is one I'm really excited about. I'm excited about most chats on this platform, but today is a a new realm around the topic of heart math that I haven't had the pleasure to really go into deeply yet. And I have a powerful man and a powerful heart to help me illuminate all things heart math today. Before I get into that, I just want to remind everyone that's joining either live or listening to the podcast, if you get some value out of this today, it hits your heart in all the ways. You can share it out with a friend, a family member, or a lover, supports the show. And if you want more conversations like this, it it ignites you in a specific way, you can leave your feedback over on Apple and Spotify, and that helps me pick topics just for you. Speaking of topics, today... I am going deep into all things heart math with the powerful and loving loving Roland McCready. Roland is the director of research at HeartMath. And with his help today, we're going to break down what is HeartMath, what is the mission behind it, what is heart coherence, talking about the heart's magnetic field, its importance with connection to others, and all the spiritual understandings in between. Roland, it's a pleasure, my friend, to invite you to the Cosmic Love Antenna. Thanks, Harrison. It's uh, nice to be here. We were just chatting before we started. Uh, It's afternoon slash early evening and morning here. And I've already started connecting into my heart field to send to you to pick it up. I'm wondering if, is it coming through yet? Are you picking up on the heart field? (laughs) It's coming. It's coming. Roland, I think I guess where I want to start with you is I want to read you the vision statement that I'm sure you're very familiar with from HeartMath. And I would love if you feel called to add anything to what I'm missing around really what HeartMath stands for. HeartMath has the vision of a kinder, heart-centered world where we care for one another and live in harmony harmoniously live in harmoniously in peace what what else can we add to that roland from your experience well that's a pretty good um vision statement i think that's um really what what we're about i mean heart math 
exists and was created 30 some years ago to really help people navigate the stressful times that we're in now. We kind of foresaw that coming and, and, uh, you know, so we're, we're really, another way we could say that is that we're really about co-creating a kinder, more compassionate world. And we do that through conducting uh, research is one of the ways on interconnectivity and, and providing and developing uh, research-backed and research-proven tools and techniques that help uh, ultimately raise humanity's baseline consciousness mm-hmm. to where we become more collaborative and uh, and live together more harmoniously and cooperatively. Yeah. It's it's really beautiful, Roland, and I'm I'm excited to speak a little bit about the science today and and what you do and and how it's impacting this beautiful mission that you have. What I would love to know first, Roland, just because I'm interested and I'm sure people tuning in are, how did you get involved in HeartMath? How did your heart find its way to this coherent center? Well, that can be a long story or a short story. Um, the the short version is. Um, personal experience um, in at the time, well, let me say a little bit more about that. I would, my original career was uh, electrical engineering. I was a communication engineer. I used to work for Motorola and that kind of thing. And I was always interested in the um, more fundamental and deeper aspects of things that we talked a lot about, like magnetic fields. And I would, would ask questions like, well, what is it? A magnetic field or an electric field or some of these types of things that we learned and was using in my my day-to-day life and job and that always frustrated professors and things and because it was always about the formulas that describe their behavior no 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 i want to know what is it no no don't go away you know um really and we still don't really know um, yeah sort of bigger, the bigger questions Anyway, that long story, longer story short, a little shorter, that led me to exploring some other avenues. And I accidentally ran across a book in a bookstore and that um, had some other perspectives on it. And, and uh, which ultimately, many years later, led me to move to California and get a degree in consciousness studies, um, which I did. So I learned about meditation and all of many forms and a lot of things through those years and uh, started a company in uh, electrostatics and uh, became a very successful company. And, and uh, I was working with um, a lot of big companies, you know, from everything from the plant managers of big, you know, like automotive companies and silicon manufacturers and, you know, uh, all the way down to the people working on the assembly lines and floors. And, and it amazed me, this has been in the eighties, um, I used to think to myself, God, how do these companies stay in business? Really? I mean, the, the amount of discord and the infighting and the, I was just amazed. It was hard for us to get our job done, you know, installing our systems in these factories because of all this going on. Anyway, that's a little bit of a well, and, and Roland, but let me, I, I, so I don't think it's a sidetrack at all because I think, you know, you know this and I know this, but what you are sort of subtly referring to is, you know, environments work environments that don't have that coherence. Yeah. Well, work exactly. Environment. They're extremely incoherent. Yeah. That hard coherence. Yeah. And later a lot of those companies didn't do so well in business, but uh, <laughs> as it turned out, but then I, you know, through the folks in the, that I met in the consciousness studies and degrees and studies on that, I was involved in an, an organization that brought spirulina to the world. 
uh, as a the motive and the, the humanitarian it was a true humanitarian motive behind that, which was to feed hungry people, the world's hungry populations. And I'm going to make this story shorter, but um, we ended up selling a lot of it through a national choir, did a big story and, you know, uh, sold millions of dollars worth of it in a very short time and took the profits of that and uh, built a demonstration plant in Southern California to prove that you could go actually do this. You could go in the middle of a desert and grow spirulina and feed people. It was a perfect kind of superfood. And anyway, I don't want to get too into those details. Um, and that went nowhere. And it, but it didn't, it wasn't the problem with the technology. We had that. We were way ahead of our time, actually. Sprayed giant solar powered spray dryers and things for producing the stuff and all this. And I kind of vowed to myself after that experience, you know, I, just, I have all these studies in consciousness, so I know about consciousness, right? And da, 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 da. it's all about consciousness. Well, that after that, it became more than a concept, a mental concept to a, re, a much deeper understanding. And I sort of at that point in my life, um, been also late 80s said well the, the heck with this humanitarian stuff i'm going to go make money again that's when i went and started my other electrostatics company and which was, was I, as i said pretty successful and it was a point and it was a lot of fun don't get me wrong we had offices around the world and you know we're doing the human, well. the human ego was satisfied in that situation well, yeah and it was a fun factor too there. yeah but, there was something a little bit deeper in me that was a yearning, even though I had said, I'm not going to get involved in this. I'm going to go make money again, heck with this humanitarian stuff. But another sports car in the driveway wasn't really that fulfilling at a certain point after a point. And that's when I met Doc Childry, uh, who's mm -hmm. the founder of HeartMath, uh, via some friends from back in the consciousness studies days and that part of my life. And so I was, got, he was on the East Coast at that time and went to, I'll go meet this guy, you know, being recommended by mutual friends who I respect. And we got to go spend an hour. And I ended up spending three days. Um, we obviously hit it off. And so he had a very different perspective and an, inner, and an energy and energetic about him, too. Um, it wasn't just the words. Um, so where I, through that experience, well, I had some experience, my own kind of, I'll call it awakening to, to what the heart really is during I'm with him, not the concept and whip energy through the heart chakra and all that stuff that all the other approaches were. So I best I could um, started practicing. This is long before heart math and formal techniques and things we have now. And I can honestly say that I, I made more growth in, in many levels of my own personal life in three months than I had in years of meditation practices. Now, it's not to say I didn't get a lot out of those years of meditation. I, I, I did, but that might, might have even what prepped me for that next evolutionary jump. It really was a jump in my own, the evolution of my own personal consciousness. So then I, I started started bringing some of those ideas and concepts into, the, into the, my employees and the company. Yeah. And it seemed to help. The rest is, the rest is history, Roland. Is so... First of all, thank you for sharing your story. And uh, I think I, I've heard pieces of it, but it was nice to hear of it all in sort of a summary there. I want to, I want to speak about coherence. I want to go there next, but my, my curiosity inside of me wants to know an answer to a question that you dropped 
before that, though, I just want to welcome all the beautiful souls joining us on Facebook Live. Welcome. If you have questions for Roland today, if anything bubbles up around HeartPath, pop it in the comments. I would love to add your voice into this chat. Um, Roland, you said within this experience, as you were transitioning into HeartMath, there was this awakening moment where you remembered what the heart actually is. No, I, wouldn't wondering- say, I wouldn't say I remembered. But, yeah. Well, well, how would you answer that question? How, what, what did you discover? What the heart actually is? Well, okay. So, um, well, we can fast forward a lot of years of research and practice and experience, but to, to answer that, I'd have to say that we have to realize there are two hearts, mm. physical heart, yep, which is way more than a bud plump, uh, pump, uh, by the way. And then the, what uh, I call the energetic heart as, as and I'm not, the originator of that that's been around a long time uh or the spiritual heart as it's called even in more ancient type uh, context and so i'd say what what have i discovered it's real it is not a metaphor you know, the, the the energetic heart is a real thing with real structure just in another um think of it as dimension of density that that we can't yet put under a microscope and then we can't put a thought a feeling an intuition um subjective experience at all of any kind really under a microscope and see it right and probe it um and that the, so the energetic heart is the bridge if you want to think of it that way it's a good analogy so that can be more specific but to our um here at heart math we just call it your larger self and there's other term we just I mean, we use that term in a, a literal way, but to take it out of spiritual or new age kind of concepts, because we, we really do mean this in a literal way. But you can also refer to it as your higher self, to your spirit, to your soul, um, you know, the God within, whatever you want to language, depending upon your culture and background and belief systems. I love it, Ron. You, so you probably don't know this, but on this on this podcast, I speak mostly about what you're saying here. So this is for everyone tuning in. It's just nice to hear it from your lens, from your deeply scientific, practical lens that now, and this is why I really love heart math and the work that's being done is that there's the science and this validation. And when I say remembered, Roland, I don't mean remembered in this lifetime. I would say that the soul, the higher soul that you are, it knew that previously, right? Would you agree with that? Well, yeah. I mean, that gets into a whole other discussion, but yeah. from Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'll, I'll try and keep it. I won't get too off into the mystical space today. Um, Roland, let's go back a bit now. I want to thank you for your background and and answering that for me. I want to now define something else that HeartMath has been really powerful in illuminating for people is heart coherence. So I'm wondering if you can, for people that maybe are new to that, what does heart coherence mean? Yeah, we'll start with coherence. Yep. For, for people who are new to that and I think a lot of people, most people these days have at least a a general sense of what the term coherence means. And I'm going to skip right to the scientific perspective, which is how we use it and and mean it. And coherence is a term used to describe how well the parts of a complex system are working together. Are they working in harmonious relationship in in a way that's energy efficient, right, And, and stable? And there's a bunch of important things umbrellaed under that term and concept of coherence. 
energy efficiency being one, but also that the wholeness or the output of a system or the parts of the system are greater than the sum of the parts. That's an embedded idea. So, and coherence is a term that's used in science, everything from the very small molecular scale all the way to the universe. We talk about co the coherence amongst these systems. Now, for the parts of a system, and obviously us as human beings, we are extremely complex systems. I mean, any living system is very complex, but especially us. Um, all the, the, is we're having to cohere, if you will, and, and things come together and cooperate in a wholeness from the very small, right? I mean, I, atoms are having to become molecules and molecules, organs, and organs, organ systems working together across many scales and across time, right? Although we, otherwise we wouldn't be healthy living beings at all. So it's um, for that, for the parts of any complex system to work together, there has to be communication between the parts. And that can be many forms, right? And that some of that's still a mystery in terms of living systems, but hormones and neural, neural pulses and the kind of growth scale. And a lot of our interest is on the energetic communication. Mm that goes on i'm getting a little bit off track here but no but it's it's aligning so so then how does that where does the heart come into that yeah so that's kind of what, what we mean by coherence yeah okay so sorry about that the heart coherence uh, this might be a better way to to explain that back in the early days of the, the our lab here at the heart math research center and this is the early 90s we started by a way a lot of we're a psychophysiology primary psychophysiology lab yeah uh, looking at the physiology or the physiological correlates or what goes on in our body with different emotional states, like a lot of people sort to start that way. We were a little different in that we were also interested in a lot of, a lot of people would call uh, positive emotions. And this is, you have to remember in the early nineties in there, in the scientific literature, the public peer reviewed scientific literature, there weren't very many studies like this. Uh, this was long before the positive psychology movement, you know, which I'm th thrilled about, by the way, that came many years later. So in addition to things like, you know, stress and um, frustration and anger and these types of emotions, we were also looking at things like appreciation, compassion, you know, what happens when we're really heart feeling, heartfelt feelings, those things. And and we were looking at lots of things back then. I mean, everything you can think of pretty much, you know, brain waves and blood pressure and hormones and you know, skin conductance and all this kind of stuff. And what emerged from that, those early years was that when we're feeling things like appreciation, gratitude, compassion, you know, these, these higher, I would say frequency emotions now in later language, that something amazing was happening with the best indicator of that, of all the physiological things was the activity of the heart and in particular the heart rhythm and it was shifting it wasn't a subtle thing our physiology was literally shifting into a different functional mode it's reflected and must reflected in the rhythmic pattern of the heart and then we then later called heart coherence and a lot of reasons for that so that was kind of a rabbit to follow down follow down the hole that, that was beautiful no, Roland, I think that described, described it beautifully. And it, it leads me to ask a question here. And this comes from the lovely Sharon in the Facebook chat. 
Sharon asks, how do you not fear love? Or in another way of saying it, how do you open up to it? And from what you're saying, we could answer that question in many ways, but connecting to heart coherence, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here. But one way to sort of bring in love or open to love from the outside world would be to get into that coherent state first, correct? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not sure I fully understand the question yet, but, um, but. Well, let's say, let's say, let's use an example. So let's say we're stepping into a new relationship mm-hmm. and we, we want to bring in love from that person from the outside. We want to open ourselves up to a new okay. way of loving. Be, be open to someone else's love. Is yeah. 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 And overcoming the possible fear around that. Yeah. Um, well, getting, okay. So rather than giving you a linear history here, um, yeah. kind of going back to how we started the conversation when we're able to be in a, there's a lot of benefits from being in a, a heart coherent state. I mean, physiologically lowered blood pressure, better hormonal balance, blah, 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 blah. I mean, 400 and some studies later that have been published in independent studies, we, we know that, but the, the bigger game here, I would say, or the really end game from the heart math perspective, from my perspective is that when we're in that heart coherent state, it's opening that channel from the energetic heart to our larger self. And so we're decreasing the separation between who we really are at that deeper level and our day-to-day physical heart, mind, brain, physical systems. So it, it's that flow of intuition from our larger self that it is really becomes our inner GPS as a way of thinking of it, our inner guidance system. And so really being able to, to tune in to follow that is really our, whether it's in a new relationship or the decisions and choices we're making in day-to-day life is really my answer there. And now if we have a lot of traumas, blocks, you know, and what blocks that connection is fear, it's frustration, it's anger, it's um, separation. You know, we kind of, we tend to blame the heart sometimes for lack of connection, but it's really not. Um, uh, that's more the brain and it's past memories and traumas. Traumas, yeah. Yeah. But I don't know if that, that's not a direct. It, it, Roland, you're, you're on fire today. You're smashing it out of the park. What I would, what I would add to it for Sharon's sake, and I think you highlighted it beautifully that higher, that energetic heart that opens to that higher self, that higher self, what it's made of, it doesn't, it's not made of fear right? It's, it's made of, you know, in the Vedic perspective, it's the, you know, Ananda, it's bliss, it's, it's pure expansion, it's pure consciousness. So it, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, yeah, all those things, but it, it's really intelligence. Yeah. Um, in what you could think of as our blueprint. I mean, it's, uh, and it's really there always wanting us to come out it, because, boy, let's get, get, get a bit esoteric here a bit. You know, Roland, this podcast is all esoteric. So you don't, you go as deep as you want. Well, I mean, Earth coming into the Earth system is, it's an advanced school for the evolution of consciousness. And that, so that's really what it's, it's really all about. And that evolution of consciousness is exactly what we're talking about. It is learning to connect with our larger self and be able to live in that frequency. 
more at higher and higher ratios in the density of Earth, in the choices we make, in the decisions we make. And, you know, we it's um, you know, free will is a real thing here on, on, in the Earth dimension and the plane. So it's that's it wasn't that way. So we kind of have to forget who we really are when we come into this level of density and, and waking up to that mm. through life's journeys. Um, so. Can I can I ask a question with this, Roland? Because because we're we're here now, so let's just keep playing with this. And I appreciate you going deep with me. What would you say to that soul in that situation that you just outlined that is using their free will, and maybe they're using their free will to not tap into their heart coherence? They're using their free will to not mm-hmm. open up to their higher consciousness and that's and that soul holds guilt for that that soul holds judgment for not doing the right thing no souls don't hold judgment um that that you kind of missed what i'm really saying there in that this this, it is about wake uh, consciousness the evolution of consciousness is about learning to make reconnect to that when we're in this level of density and boy ah I'm sure where how far down this rabbit hole I want to go. So um we're way outside of the science here, but the as as far as you you feel comfortable, Roland, it's up to yeah. you. Yeah. So I mean I'm very comfortable in this world, but um so we have a we are always making choices, right? And they either come to mind or the heart. And we get the feedback here. So we would and I would also go one step means you've opened this can of worms in a way um that way even before we come in and integrate in, into the earth system as a in a human form we have a blueprint that um we've chosen at our higher larger self level for the things for that next step of our evolutionary process from my perspective is many many lifetimes and right? karma probably weaves into this correct well yeah um it, well I, I would put a little different in that karma may be lessons we've yet to learn so we would set up particular blueprints to have the opportunity to learn through those things for, and it's all, see, our, our large is all about our growth. Um, Cause that, that's kind of the big game in a way for the school of earth. And um, so we, you know, I mean, think of it, what if, I mean, put it this way, what if we were set, a bunch of us were sitting around a table up there in the other dimensional plane and saying, okay, I know we're, we're going on this mission to earth and you know, you're going to go be a, I don't know. Uh, you're going to go work in the kitchens and you're going to get cancer and learn how to have more compassion for people. And, and we'll meet up about so-and-so age and um, so on. What if, what if it really is that way? So we can, so we can, we, the more aligned we are with our larger self, the more we're following our trajectory for our, for our blueprint. But we have choice and we yeah. can get sidetracked. And I think I love so it. You have, to, you have to do it around again, you know, a couple more rounds until you finally get it. You know? And I think that's the, that's, I guess what I was trying to hit at Roland is when we come back again, right? There's no, and you said it beautifully, there's, there's nothing that holds judgment on that. Right. Cause I think I, I can speak from my experience and maybe you can share your thoughts on this. But I I grew up in certain teachings and I share them all the time on the podcast that, you know, that there's a power outside of me that's holding judgment, whether I 
do the thing right or wrong, right? And there are a lot of people that fit into that box, but that's not what you're saying, right? We'll we'll just come back again to play the earth school, right? Yeah, I mean, at, the, at our larger self, there's no such thing as judgment and, and uh, in the way that we do it down here in human terms. In fact, it's our judgments and blames and three, well, we're just, we're talking about 3D consciousness, right? I mean, in 3D is, you know, way better than 2D, uh, you know, and the evolutionary journey. But I don't know if you think about it, you know, I, I've heard people say, until we can get back to the good old days when we were all, you know, a lion, I'm kind of like, what are you talking about? What, you mean when we stuck people on crosses and, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, if because the evolution of consciousness is really speeding up. Um, so, anyway, I, I'm yeah, I'm, no, Roland, this is beautiful. I'm let's, I'm thank you for going there with me. That these are just the things that I think about all the time, and my community thinks about too. So, I wanted to play a little bit. Let's let's come back and and tune to heart math from another lens, and I want to ask about. You know, we spoke about the coherence, right? We spoke about the connection to other people through it, right? But I'm wondering if you can go into this phenomena or this deeper science now that HeartMath is doing about, you know, the field that we start to project from our hearts, the field that we can measure and pick up on. Uh, Sure. Um, That... When the heart, when we put electrodes across your chest to measure the electrocardiogram, the heartbeat, I mean, why is it called the electrocardiogram? What you're measuring is electricity. And in this case, quite literally now, you're measuring the flow of current, electrical current. In this case, it's biologically generated through ions, but it's still electrical current. And whenever you have uh, a flow of current, I mean, this is physics 101, right? You create a magnetic field any flowing current creates magnetic fields now the electrodes don't see the magnetic field that they, they measure current flow that requires a different instrument it's called a magnetometer so and, and, this, and this is well understood i mean we know the sources of these current flows and things at the biological level but they one of the qualities of a magnetic field is they go through things why cell phones back to my engineering days right this so i was knew a lot about uh, communications. Uh, we know a lot about how to use fields, electromagnetic fields, to carry information. You know, when you're on your phone, you send a text message. Well, it's the field carrying that information from your phone to the cell tower and vice versa and so on. But the point here is, is why it's the magnetic component. See, electric and magnetic fields are very different things. They are not the same. It may, it's the magnetic component that goes through things that's why cell phones work indoors right if you don't believe me stop using your phone right um indoors anyway so the magnetic field generated by the current flows in the, the body and from the heart easily radiate ex- external to the body and can be measured uh with magnetometers that's how i know this it's not some idea we stick a probe out here or a magnetic probe and measure it and uh this is going back into the later 90s for us we were um, got the idea, well, maybe we're radiating emotional information. Let's measure the field and see if we can decode that information. Same thing I used to do at Motorola, using the same techniques, actually, to decode the information being carried by fields. It was actually kind of easy to do. 
yeah, once you understand the modulation strategy. So we knew then that um, what we feel inside doesn't stop at the skin. We are literally broadcasting and radiating that. Um, and then so the next step in that line of inquiry was, well, that's neat. You know, so what? Um, are, are our nervous systems also antennas that receive that information from others? And that actually was a fairly easy step uh, to show. So it, um, I was actually really surprised that no one else had ever done that. It wasn't that hard. And so um, anyway, what, where that's many years later, I can many projects and studies later pretty with pretty good confidence say that there's always an energetic communication that's going on between people or within groups uh, that's beyond uh, maybe below in some ways more important than the information or, or um, of the words we choose to tone a voice to body language that's all important and a lot is conveyed there there's also an energetic um, communication this kind of gets back to the question that the lady asked about a new relationship because um, there is that energetic information. And um, well, let me, uh, let me jump in here, Ron, because I'm so excited that I have you on the show to really break down. So articulately what you just described with the field of the heart, because this, this is the cosmic love antenna. And I, one of the reasons I named it that, and I do the work that I do in the world is the very thing that you just described, right? This antenna system that we are, that we constantly are, we're receiving and projecting a frequency that is beyond, as you said, you know, the, the physical modality that we are. I would, I'd love for you to speak to how, how does one, so if I understood everything you just said, if I'm just tuning to this for the first time, how does one start to, in your experience from heart math or beyond, how does one start to modulate that field? How do I say so an example that you gave walk into a room and connect to someone with that field? Yeah. It, it, the answer is easy. The actual doing it is not so easy, but run love through your system. Um, Cause what, let me say it this way. Um, Harrison, in today's world, we can measure the field and the information being carried by it, demodulating, decoding that information, those information patterns. Until with about 75% accuracy, somebody's emotional state. Mm. Okay, so that kind of so they've the holds inf that information. The the frequency information or the informational patterns, as I like to call them, right? Writing on the field are very different if we're feeling love or if we're feeling frustration or anger or something like that. They're radically different information patterns. So love more if we want to change that information. Uh, appreciate, be kind, but you, you can't just think it. You actually have to feel it. You have to be it. That that's what's reflected in the fields. Um, it, it's the true of emotional feeling of it. Um, so, and how do we do that? Well, how do we do that? Then you're you're connecting. It's really getting. So one of the biggest. I kind of already said this, but one of the biggest benefits of learning how to shift into heart coherence. There's a lot of stuff going on in our physiology for our benefit. But is to is that we are connecting with our larger self. It's opening that radio frequency, that channel between our larger self and our. Actually, it's the DNA. I mean, it's the, the energetic heart is actually communicating with all the DNA and all the cells. That's where the blueprint for us comes from. But in fact, I'm doing a class on that 
on the shift network. My next class is really about the DNA connection to the energetic heart. Yeah. It's so deep, Roland. It goes, there's so, this is again, another reason I'm so excited about the heart math and everything, all the work that's being done. And we'll get to this later, but it's just, it's a bridge. Use the analogy for the heart being a bridge, but I see the heart math being a bridge to these deeper states of consciousness where we now have all these beautiful tests and validation for people that, you know, we spoke about fear before. One of the biggest reasons we fear something is we don't know what's going on. We we don't have the information. I think heart math is really filling that role. Correct. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, fear can be a useful thing. You're, you're right. I mean, that, that gets into brain physiology and we could go down that rabbit if you want rabbit hole and and familiar, not familiar. So a lot of times fears, we're not familiar. We don't have a historical or baseline reference to being able to navigate a new person, you know, or a place uh, that is safe and all that. Um, but if we if we don't have that familiarity and that history to let us know what's safe, not safe, you know, fear may be a good thing or being a little more careful, you know, if we're navigating a new place so we haven't we're not familiar with or meeting new people. Um, not necessarily fear, but there's a certain I, I don't mean fear, but there's a certain vigilance that Yeah. Well, is, can I can I add something to that point and get your thoughts on this, Roland? From what we've spoken about thus far, let's use that. Let's use the example of a relationship because it came up with a question and let's say the brain is responding with fear, maybe based off past trauma. In that moment, if I open up my energetic heart and invite my deeper knowing connected to that spirit and that soul, that would be a way to move through that fear, correct? Because it would know more than what the fear does. Yeah. If we're really aligning with our larger self and the inner, that energetics, I mean, I don't want to, we need not be naive here. It, it, maybe we are coming up with a person that we really don't want to, that isn't very nice. Um, I mean, that's possible, right? Uh, but the, so there's the different levels and layers to this, just through the, uh, there's another, I talk about the three types of intuition in a lot of my writings. One is energetic sensitivity, which is not the same as our, what we're talking about here where we're able to really reach our, our, our big nervous system level antenna is receiving that, that information being rated in the field that we were just talking about. And we, we've learned how to, to recognize those patterns, that information. So sometimes it really just doesn't feel good to be around certain people. Mm. Um, and there's guidance coming from for that to not just be around that person anymore. Yeah. And yeah. on the other hand, on the other hand, we can, you know, it's really this, the whole understanding of what the amygdalas do is really i can't important is is one level of this because what the amygdalas do one of the main brain centers involved in emotional processing and experience is what what their real job is is determine what's familiar not familiar so in fact i went way earlier in my life when i was i don't know my early teens or mid-teens somewhere in there um i there was a person that I had met and I had an instant um, not liking of. <laughs> and I, politically correct way of saying it. <laughs> well, I, well, it was, we just, 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 and I, I didn't understand it then I do now, but there were qualities about that person that remind that unconsciously the amygdala remembers that the baselines that it forms of a bully that I had in way earlier years. 
right? So that it made that match so unsafe, fear. Well, the irony of that story is that that, that person later become one of my very best friends, right? Uh, once we moved through it, got, moved through it and got past yeah. it. But our, our, what we are perceiving in the world is those, these different filters that we're going through. One is the, the, the histories and the amygdala is always looking for that match of familiar, not familiar. And those references that we're matching to can be either positive or negative or optimistic or pessimistic based on past histories. But it's affecting our perceptions in the, in the now, um, almost always at an unconscious level that we don't have conscious access to. But our larger self can kind of rise above that if we're able to tune into that. Which brings me to my next question here, Roland. Beautiful segue. So I've noticed in my work and the teachings that I share and the podcast and my one-on-one work, the this heart coherence and this opening up of the energetic heart and the higher self coming in, one of the best ways to practice that and flex that muscle, if you will, if you want to call it that, is practicing present moment awareness, is coming into this present moment. So I'm wondering if you could speak to where does presence and and mindfulness of this current moment factor into heart coherence and everything we've talked about thus far? Well, I'm gonna I'm sorry to be corrective, but we I wouldn't Please. say that we open up the energetic heart. Okay, it's always there, and it's always there trying. It's always building that bridge, whether we know it or not. What we're opening is our really our mind and our that channel for love it to be able to um, become aware of and listen and start listening to what's really been there all along. Um, Thank you for that reframe. Yeah, it's it's okay, but I just wanted for anybody that might be listening. It's um, the um. Well, restate the question. Sorry, I just sidetracked myself. Well, no, (laughs) and you answered it in a way already. But I guess I wanted to know from your perspective that where does becoming present in in now, how does that impact everything? Yeah, well. (laughs) Versus being in the past or projecting into the future. Yeah, I mean, we're all wired differently. You know, I mean, and this is actually true, and there's a lot of research around this. Some are, are really, this really gets down to brain physiology and connectivity, but some of us are more wired to live in the past. Some more in the now, I'm more in that kind of uh, wiring, and some more are more future-oriented, and we can, some we can shift back and forth. Um, so there's not a, a pat answer. It's kind of why I wanted to give context. Of, uh, usually things aren't as black and white as we would, would like them to. But practicing being more in the moment uh, is a good thing. I mean, uh, I think, especially if we're practicing being able to be aligned, you know, to to have our heart and mind Mm. aligned in the moment so that we're not past or, you know, future projecting about the future. Yeah. Can be negative or positive, right? And so it's that real-time alignment with our larger self that's, I think, really what the key is. And that's what takes us into the real flow, what I think of as being able to flow through whatever we draw, right, whatever life brings us. 
uh, with more grace, more ease, less stress, right? yeah. better choices through that. I love it. I, I follow a lot of Eckhart Tolle's teachings and I'm sure you've had that in your journey at some point too. I know, I know the answers on it. Yeah. And he, he speaks about, which I really resonate with that, that higher self, that, that soul that we've been referencing in many ways today through the heart, it doesn't exist in the past or the future. It exists in the present moment. Now I'm wondering what are your thoughts on that? Is that, do you agree? Do you, is it? No, I, well, I, I do, would agree. I mean, uh, I mean, we all, all, all the cells in our bodies right now are existing in this present moment, but that doesn't yeah. mean they don't have a past history yeah. and a future trajectory based on the choices we make in the now. Mm. Um, yeah. And, and all the healing, I would say, like, let's use a trauma. Let's use a, a physical trauma as an example, right? They happened in the past and they're impacting us in the present and we heal them now in the present. We don't heal them in the past, right? Yeah, that would be, that would be true. Yeah. Yeah. Let's another component. I want to get your thoughts on Roland in terms of this heart math, all the heart math studies and the coherence and everything you've beautifully articulated today is where does the breath come into this? Cause we spoke about presence. We spoke about the heart and the energetic fields. One of the other big tools that I, that I practice myself and teach people to get into these states is factoring in different kinds of breath work. So I'm wondering you know, what's your view on the role of the breath in heart coherence and again, everything we've danced through today? Yeah, well, it's really important uh, <laughs> in that. I mean, obviously breathing is important. I mean, come on, you know, uh, but the from what from breath work and be being able to regulate our breath, um, it is the one auto, typically autonomic function that we have can easily intervene with and choose to breathe slower, breathe deeper, and so on. So it gives us a, uh, a really neat window into being able to shift our physiology. And so there are a gazillion breath techniques out there. Um, everything, you know, from the yogi techniques, um, you know, nostril breathing. I learned all that, forgotten most of it now. Back in the, well, I'm just being honest. Well, and, you know, I mean, I've done a lot of trainings. Did a lot, we developed the program, for the, the resilience program for the U.S. Navy. As part of, I'm honored to say we did that work. So I trained 5,000 men and women and that were getting ready to go into the highest stress job or mission there was in the military at that time. And I would I just did this as kind of a bridge into it about the breathing, but usually just ask them, how many of you have learned a breathing technique? somewhere along your journey and a lot of depend upon the group. Some would know hardly any ad. Others a lot had. And ask, well what? What's the context? And it's, you know, so you hear about I've learned about breathing from scuba diving to Lamaze class to yoga to meditation to on the shooting range to be able to to, to write point of the breath to get the best shot. I mean it's well why? It's because it works. It's something that gives us that it's taught across so many different disciplines and, and reasons. It, um, I like to think of it as grandma's wisdom. If, uh, you know, I mean, because you know, grandma's there and a the little kid you know, falls down and they're crying and you, know, you pick them up. And, you know, as soon as you make sure they're not bleeding or something, squirting blood out, you know, 
Uh, what, what's grandma say? Breathe, honey. Take a breath. Right? Because we know that until they calm down, that they're not going to be able to hear anything. That they're just, ah, they're dysregulated. Yeah. I think that that's the key, Roland. I think that dysregulation, sorry to interrupt, but it's just so, I know for me, when I'm speaking about this heart, these heart components and heart coherence and getting into the heart energetically, the breath, one of the main roles it plays is in the helping us move through dysregulation and coming back into, yeah, so, into exactly. harmony. Yeah. So, um, breathing now we can take breathing, we can advance breathing a little bit once we understand the physiology and coherence. And an aspect of coherent heart coherence that we're talking about. Remember, I, I mentioned earlier, uh, Harrison, there's a lot of stuff going on in the body when we're in a coherent state. As it turns out, we have uh, a natural resonant frequency that that exists in, in our bodies. And this has to do with the resonant frequencies, literally, between the neural loops and the blood flow, between the heart, brain, heart, brain, and lung system. And that, that's a, in frequency language, it's 0.1 hertz is the center of the bell curve for, for humanity. And by the way, most animals have the same resonant frequency. It's, it seems mm. to be scale invariant. And it also is the resonant frequency of the Earth's magnetic field vibrations. Yeah, funny that. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So oh, it's a 10-second rhythm, five seconds. So if you're breathing, um, if we if we understand that, and this is why, since our actually we started this, it was our research that kind of everybody's talking about coherence breathing or breathing in a 10-second rhythm or um, six breaths per minute. It's also talked about different ways. That came out of our, our early research showing that our resonant frequency, what it is. So if we breathe at our natural resonant frequency, which is going to be around four or five seconds on the in-breath and four or five seconds on the out-breath. Point is that, you know, that 10-second rhythm around that. We're now breathing at our resonant frequency, which moves us into heart coherence. There, there are connections, and the physiology of it's pretty simple. There, well, other than the resonant loops, but in, in the lungs, we have neurons that are sensitive to stretch. We breathe in, those neurons expand, and they increase their output, their firing rate output. They travel up the vagus, certain pathways in the vagus nerve to the brainstem, and they inhibit the flow of, of parasympathetic outflow or vagal outflow to the heart, so heart rate goes up. We breathe out, you release that, you, re, you um, so parasympathetic outflow is restored to its tonic level, heart rate goes down. So whatever rhythm we're breathing at, we're modulating the heart rhythm. And this is actually the mechanism by which breathing techniques work. So at least, especially in short term, like grandma, breathe, honey, right? Um, it's not getting more oxygen in the blood. That People got that wrong. Um, yeah, so the reason that we can take the intensity out of an emotion or we stub our toe in the pain by breathing at that rhythm is because we're modulating the heart rhythm and the heart sends far more information to the brain than the other way around. So we can use breathing to change that pattern. And if we breathe it into a coherent rhythm, that's now the neural information going up to the amygdalas and different parts of the brain that it then interprets as, oh, everything's okay. Calm down, get in sync, right? Literally. That's so beautiful. I'm, I, I get getting so excited because I'm just, I'm learning so much from you today, even in areas that I thought I had some pretty good understanding around you know, even just that, what you just described, 
put a domino in my, over in my mind around, it's, I think I feel that's one of the reasons, you know, energetically when we tune into the heart chakra, for example, the heart chakra anatomically, it has a resonance, not just with the heart organ, but also with the lungs too, right? And in many ways, I think, you know, it's connected to what you're saying here. I want to, Roland, I have a few more questions here before I let you go on your beautiful evening. And this last one is more of a sort of an observation that I've seen through the world at the moment that I'd love to get your thoughts on. HeartMath as a, as a movement institution, I've personally seen holds a role of bridging the divide between these esoteric spiritual consciousness teachings that have been around in the East for thousands of years and the science that a lot of us, and no judgment here, I would fall fall into this group to a degree, a lot of us who, you know, wait on the science to validate a practice to be true or not. So my question for you, Roland, is where do you see HeartMath as playing a role stepping into the future between these two sort of groups? Yeah, well, a couple of ways I could answer that. I mean, I, I often get accused uh, being kind of leading the charge in some ways of bridging science and, and spirituality. Um, and I, I don't mean that in a, a, a bad way because it's a, quite a compliment, but I can say, well, if you view spirituality as helping people learn how to become more in charge of themselves, how to self-regulate, to be kinder, more collaborative, cooperative people, great. And now we're doing that. Uh, that's really what, what it's about is aligning with who we really are right? in, in a larger self. So, I mean, heart math really does exist from the very beginning to, to help facilitate the shift in global consciousness. Uh, our mission is global. And uh, it, it, the reason, kind of going back to this story I, I shared, we started with, you know, I, when I said, screw this humanitarian stuff, I'm not going to get it back involved in this, these types of things unless it's something that can shift consciousness on a global scale. And that's what heart math is about. I mean, it really, it really is um, helping people, providing sim- very s- intentionally simple techniques and processes that give us the straight line pathway to connecting with who we really are. So that we're starting to bring our, uh, which is starting to evolve our consciousness to the level, become more self-aware and can self-regulate our thoughts and our emotions from that larger perspective, that more intelligent perspective. So that we become less separated from who we really are. But that also then comes out, you can think of that as vertical. Then the horizontal, then we start becoming more connected with other people and with the earth and start being more responsible for what we're feeding the field and out and becoming kinder, more collaborative, cooperative people. It's so beautiful. Roland, it's been a pleasure to get to feel that field, not just, and I would like to add myself into those people that accuse you of being that, that bridge and that gateway, because I've got to experience it today. I've, I've had awareness of you and heard you in other places before, but it's been a pleasure to actually meet the soul behind this work and, and, and the things that you're projecting. So Thank you for being on your soul mission in many ways and leading the charge, as you said. Uh, for people that have tuned in today, 
I would highly recommend, you know, we've, we've briefly hit on heart math. Please go check out all the things that the Institute is doing, all the practices. It's, it's exploding in many ways. Can you speak to that for a moment here, Roland? What's exciting in the heart math currently that you wish to promote and get out to people listening? Um, well, if there are people who are really interested in the personal practices, really, really connecting with them, their deeper selves, and the practical how to how to navigate day to day life, I would recommend uh, the book Heart Intelligence. There's a new edition that was authored by Doc Childry, our founder, myself, and a couple of my colleagues. Um, if you want to know more about the science, our heartmath.org website's full of stuff. There's a research library with literally hundreds of published papers and, and things. Um, what we're currently endeavoring in on the science side is, um, I mean, our, our research spans from, uh, I put it in three kind of buckets, if you will, personal coherence, you know, 30 years of that kind of research on, on the psychophysiology of heart brain communication and so on. Social coherence, you know, or mm-hmm. relational coherence. How do we get along better with, with other people, our families or work teams? So we have new programs, certification programs just for, uh, bringing more coherence into teams and, and, uh, and well, any groups of people that work together. And then the global coherence has really been my, our focus for a, a few years now. It's called global, the Global Coherence Initiative. And with under that, this is where we're currently focused. Under that umbrella of GCI, or Global Coherence Initiative, we've got you know magnetometers all around the earth measuring the resonant frequencies of the earth and, and how we're... Um, bi-directionally affecting the field you know the field affects us and we affect the fields of the earth but our current project is uh, for those that aren't aware of it is uh, the global consciousness project which is a, a global i think of it as a global scientific instrument it's, it's separated devices around the world that are measuring changes in the, the what we call the, the global consciousness field as this global network of devices reacts in a synchronized way globally and uh, so uh, the new version of that we spent the last two years developing, and a lot of a lot of work has gone into this kind of a complicated project. It's called GCP two, and it's a citizen scientist project for people that might want to get involved and host one of these devices. They're called random number generators. The next generation of these devices, uh, GCP two is where you can apply to be a citizen scientist and host one. And we've also got a global tree project. It's all part of the interconnectivity work to measure the electroactivity of trees globally and see how they are, they might be responding as a, as a whole. Love it. Love it. I will, for all the people tuning in on the podcast, I'll put all these details in the show notes and you can go straight to them and, and people can sign up as the citizens of the consciousness project. Yeah. All through that website. And now I'm actually going to put more of Roland's details too, to check him out as the powerful soul he is. Roland, you're so welcome. My final question here today, before I let you go, I, as I explained earlier in our chat, when I was really excited as you were explaining about the antenna system, one of the reasons I connected into this idea of the cosmic love antenna is on my journey, I, I became you know, disillusioned with the idea that my higher power was a something outside of me on a cloud and how I came back to my reconnection to truth was seeing in many ways that love is is my higher power and and how I express it. So, so I'm interested in your world, Roland. How do you personally define that love word yourself? Oh, I'm not going to define love. Um, the because that that's just too broad. I mean, there. You know, we, we've got another our, podcast. 
Well, I mean, I'll, I'll just do a little quick wrap on that. I mean, we've got our human embodied experience of love. It varies from, you know, love of a, a spouse, right? A lover to love of your mother and father, your children to, you know, family members, love of country. <laughs> it goes on. Uh, then they're all different qualities, but then there's those, and I'm, I'm among them that would, that believes in that, on my own experience that love is the intelligent. I see love, the real love we're talking about is intelligence and it is the intelligence that created the universe and everything in it. And that, uh, that the, I'll, I'll say, well, I know I've been past time. I, Irvin Laszlo, you, you probably know Irvin, uh, awesome man in, in his nineties, um, did a, uh, a speaking spot on our last event that we do an annual event called the global consciousness event. And Urban put it in a way that I I sort of had thought up, it didn't ever articulate as elegantly as he did. And he basically said, from the moment of the Big Bang, there is an intelligence embedded into the fabric of the universe that is evolving us towards coherence. I love that. Right. So that is that love, if you will. And so the you know, my parting thoughts would be that, you know, I'll tell you from my many years of from trying to get degrees in consciousness and 30 years of heart math research, it gets really simple for me that the highest, best thing we can do for ourselves, others, the planet, and even the universe is to run more heart energy, more love through our energetic system. So you're right on. So, and love more. Beautifully said, Roland, my chest, my chest feels warm after you said all that, I, that, uh, Evan Laszlo, I'm I am familiar with his work, but I haven't heard that that expression, that definition. It's it's beautiful. I think I I found my little clip to put at the start of this episode. Roland, thank you for your time today. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love and your your immense wisdom and knowledge. I appreciate you. I send you so much love, and uh, thank you for you. connecting. Received, received. For everyone that's joined us live, either on Facebook, LinkedIn, or YouTube, or if you're listening on the podcast, I hope this hits your heart today. If it did, please share this out far and wide. Leave your feedback. You know where to leave it. But regardless, we send you love. We send you light. Until next time here on the show, stay beautiful. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Cosmic Love Antenna with me, your host, Harrison. If you gained value or this episode hit your heart, please remember to share this out with a friend, a family member, or a lover. You can also leave your love over on Apple Reviews and Spotify Star Feedback, and this helps me spread my frequency to more souls in need. Finally, if you want to connect with me deeper, want to reach out, interested in coaching, please follow me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Harrison Ma, Ma spelled M-E-A-G-H-E-R. Sending you so much love. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. 
my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.